It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Jordan Fashton, who covers the Indians for MLB.com. JB, it's been a while, my man. How are you? I'm good, Danny. How you been? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm riding out this World Series wave here um, in New York at home. Uh, I had a chance to travel a little bit for some of the National League series, but I'm parked at home uh, with my TV, my eyes glued to my TV. Uh, I have the Red Sox at four. What do you got? Oh, man. Well, now that's easy to say, right? I had it. I had it. I had it. <laughs> it's on tape. I swear. I didn't make any predictions. I mean, it's all. this is, uh, for me personally, I had no vested interest on either side. It's just So it's kind of fun to just sit back watch and root for good baseball and so far i know the red sox have taken the first few games but it's been they've been entertaining they've been good games it's been managerial decisions to dissect and you know hopefully you know for indians fans you know they were trying to get back there for a couple years and hopefully this winter you know this is my good segue talent here uh, hopefully this winter they you know <laughs> have an important winter to take those steps to, to be in that same position as la and boston are this year all right, well, let's talk about some of those steps because, first of all, um, obviously just within the team, uh, trying to figure out who's going to be best to put on the field and, and make it to uh, make it to the end, uh, which the Indians have been trying to do for the past couple of postseasons. But also the free agent market is pretty interesting this year with uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado obviously headlining uh, with the likes of a lot of other really big names. Uh, it's a good class um, in my very humble and on expert opinion, uh, but where do we start with the Indians? What What is uh, first and second on their list? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's going to be the qualifying offer decisions on their own free agents. Um, I think there's going to be three pretty interesting cases there. Now, with Josh Donaldson, because he was traded in season, he does not qualify for the qualifying offer, so you can just push him off to the side. But the Indians are very, you know, they need to build from within, and a lot of that is involves trying to accrue draft picks. Mm-hmm. So they have to weigh that. You know, they have Michael Brantley, Andrew Miller, and Cody Allen are three guys that if it was one of those guys in an offseason, it, it might be kind of a no-brainer situation. But because you have three, it makes it a little more interesting, especially when you consider each player's kind of individual situation where Andrew Miller is coming back from a series of disabled list stints and kind of saw his velo drop this past season, but everyone knows what he can be when he's right. Uh, Cody Allen was dynamic for the bulk of his career um, is the Indians all time saves leader and has kind of been, you know, right his name for the, for the ninth inning for the last several years, but he's coming Mm -hmm. off uh, a subpar season. So, you know, what's the risk there of, you know, whether or not he's going to get a multi-year deal or whether or not you offer him the one-year deal. And then with Michael Brantley in left field, there's question marks in every single outfield spot for the Indians. And he's mm-hmm. a veteran guy who's been with the team for a decade and provides leadership in the clubhouse and production on the field. But he also had 
multiple injury marred seasons prior to this past year. So they, each of those guys, it's going to be interesting to weigh, especially when they're kind of restricted financially. You know, $18 million for the Indians is a big chunk of change and will impact the rest of the offseason, especially if you extend it to one of those guys and based on their situation, they accept it. Um, that's something that the Indians have to weigh. And, you know, I could see them offering a qualifying offer to one of those guys. I would yeah. probably put Brantley first. But there's also a, a chance that they don't do it for all any of the three. That's going to be the first big hurdle for this Indians team. And you know, some of those marquee free agents you mentioned not going to be in their uh, their price range. Right, absolutely. So, you know, and, and then, you know, you wrote about a couple of these guys the other day. You talked about Leonis Martin, Greg Allen, Bradley Zimmer, Tyler Naquin. I mean, the you've got you've got a pretty deep list in itself that the, the Indians are looking at and trying to decide what they want to do. And then on top of it, the options looking outside and who they want to bring, bring in. So I have a feeling, my friend, that you're going to have a pretty busy, and I, I say this other season. It's not the off season for us. It's just the other season. That's right. Yeah, and the names you mentioned, the, the article that's up on Indians.com kind of breaks down only center field, and there, yes. are, there are six names there. I think that kind of shows you the, the level of uncertainty. It's not like there's a debate between one or two guys. There's six names there with unique situations for each involved. Um, I think the the big decision they're going to have to make at the top of that list, and it's kind of linked to Brantley, um, who we just mentioned, is Jason Kipnis. So this is a guy who's set to make $14.7 million. He has a $16.5 million option on top of that or a $2.5 million buyout. Right now, the buyout is the likely scenario given two years in a row of, of down production from him offensively and two years in a row of him starting the second base and finishing the season in the outfield. So they tried to trade him last year. Um, they thought that would help the roster and the bottom line. And I think you're going to run into a similar situation this winter, but it's going to be more difficult to trade him now potentially because this is two subpar seasons in a row. If you go a year ago at this point, Indians, if they're talking trade with other teams, could be like, hey, one down year, you know, he's one year removed from a, a great caliber season, you know, a lot of power production. Well, this year now you have two years in a row and the salary is going up. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult of a position in terms of trying to convince a team to to be a trading partner there. So that's a situation they're going to have to sort out. Now, if Brantley does not come back and they're unable to trade Jason Kipnis, then the natural fit would be to maybe bump him to left field, and that would open up the door for keeping Jose Ramirez at second, where he finished last year, and finally giving Yandy Diaz a chance to be an everyday player at third base, and at the season-end sit-down with Terry Francona, you know, he kind of unsolicited uh, emphasized that they want to give a look at Yandy Diaz. And so if you kind of read those team leaves, that's what it sounds like is okay. probably going to happen barring trade. Okay. All right. Okay, so, man, you're a wealth of knowledge here. Obviously, you know this <laughs> team. Now, you're supposed to know this team, but just, just listening to you detail it, um, there's, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and it sounds like a very tangled web. Um, you know, you pull you pull one stick and, and some marbles fall. Um, but I want to switch gears completely and talk about the Q&A you did with Trevor Bauer because I found it so fascinating. Um, and this is on your blog page, bastion.mlblog.com. Right. Um, and it's, it's really good. Uh, just detailing a lot of different things, but basically just the past 
11 days, uh, October 8th to October 19th, and everything that was going on in Trevor Bauer's life. And man, it's fascinating. So definitely check that out. But let's, let's dig into this a little bit. So you wrote, uh, Indians eliminated October 8th, uh, flew to Phoenix <laughs> October 10th, mound session biometrics reading flew to LA October 11th. That also includes going to New York and being part of um, MLB Network shows um, and getting a chance to kind of showcase that side of him. But it also includes nutrition plans and uh, body scans. So there was no shortage of, of baseball in Trevor Bauer's life for 11 days. What was, so, what was the most interesting part about talking to him about those days? Man, well, it was funny. I called him just to chat about the, the MLB Network experience, um, you know, because he loves – providing insight and the technical side of pitching and pitch design. And, you know, one of his goals is to continue to sort of uh, move the baseball casual conversation forward among fans where things like pitch design and tunneling and uh, all the terms he loves to throw around, that it's more just normal knowledge for fans, that, that these aren't, you know, really foreign topics. So I initially called just to sort of chat about, hey, you got to have another platform to to expand, you know, and to kind of help add to the conversation some of these things. And, you know, 90 minutes later, you know, we've covered just about everything. And <laughs> like you said, uh, the his hectic schedule, I think, you know, we know from dealing with Trevor Bauer that you know, there's like the old saying, he'll sleep when he's dead sort of thing. I mean, this guy takes no time off. You know, he's two days after the season ends. He's already thrown a bullpen to get biometric readings done, <laughs> so he can so he can sort of launch right into his off season. And it was really interesting to sort of delve into him more about what his plans are for this winter, pitch design wise. Where last last winter he really focused on a slider, started to to work on a changeup, and when the slider was making the most progress, he kind of put the changeup on the back burner. So now this year he's going into the off season with sort of a level of progress that he made with the changeup, and he's going to try and pick up where he left off with that process. Case in point, last year he said his initial pitch design session with his dad, where they set up cameras and they do all the the mount session and readings, and he said that was a 12-hour process last year, and this year they had that process on that first session down to four hours. Okay. kind of showed he's already in a better place or he's not starting from scratch. So I think that was that was interesting. The other thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, when you look at some of the pitch usage, you can go on Brooks Baseball or look at the StatCast site on Baseball Savant, um, you can see that he totally almost not scrapped his two-seamer, but began to use it very specifically, where three seasons ago the two-seamer was his number one fastball. Now it's – probably his least thrown pitch with his four-seamer climbing a lot. Um, He's reinventing himself. Right, but that specific change was actually to counter the air ball revolution that's going on. And yeah. so some of what's in, included in that Q&A is kind of his thoughts on where pitching is going to go from here, given how quickly batters can now adjust to pitcher tendencies. Like what's the next step for pitchers in this cat-and-mouse game that we see because he said he developed his two-seamer right at the height of two-seamers being a very successful pitch, and then batters all of a sudden started killing two-seamers across the league, and he had to switch switch gears again. So I thought that was a really interesting where you had tangible evidence of here's how one pitcher was counteracting 
the airball yeah. evolution. You know, he's he's so interesting to me, and I um it, I you know I follow him on Twitter now. I see that sometimes he's a villain. It almost he plays into this villain role, <laughs> or he or or he is just trying to say what he wants, and people turn him into the villain. But then you have people commenting how he's one of the nicest players they've ever met, um, and also one of the smartest because you don't see. I don't know if you see any pitchers doing what he's doing to try and beat the game is what it feels like. He's trying to stay ahead and beat the game at his own game. Um, right. But, I, I mean, you know him probably better than um, all of us do. So, I mean, who is Trevor Bauer? <laughs> well, that would be a whole other podcast that lasted <laughs> another hour. But the long and short of it is when you see what he's doing on Twitter and some of the, you know, he's not afraid to go at people. Yeah. He, he loves to be the troll. Yeah. Trolls his teammates, um, you know, and I did a story earlier this year on him and Mike Clevenger, how, you know, Clevenger has been one of the first teammates to fight the troll with trolling, you know, <laughs> that when they had a they had something going on in spring training where Clevenger was borrowing some of Trevor Bauer's weighted balls and it became kind of a, you know, go by your own type joke. And, and Mike Clevenger ordered from, from a site, a book called How to Be a Good Teammate and had it delivered to Trevor Bauer's <laughs> locker. You know, so I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna be trolled by Trevor Bauer, you know, he likes when you troll him back. Yeah. And but as you mentioned, there are a lot of fans who speak to the positive side of him. Yeah. If it's if it's a positive fan interaction, he will engage you. I think there was a story a couple years ago of someone asked him if he would help with their math homework and he did. Like he, yeah. he helped them out online with their math homework, and it was all public on Twitter. But if you come at him with the same insults of, you know, give him a hard time about that drone that cut his finger, he'll right. block you on Twitter or he'll, yeah. he'll look up things. And so it's if it's a negative interaction, he'll be quick to troll <laughs> or block. And if it's a positive interaction, he's one of the, the most engaging baseball players probably out there. So he's a yeah. pretty, he's unique for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well – I mean, I look forward to to whatever he's going to get into this offseason. I'm sure he's going to keep us entertained either way. But the Indians, I think, will keep everyone entertained because, listen, the AL Central, uh, you know, those teams that were quote-unquote rebuilding are are starting to, you know, I think near uh, the finalization of that. The White Sox, I know, are, are ready to get in this game and compete. Twins just got a new manager. Um, you know, the Royals are hoping to cash in this year. So uh, it could be a little more interesting this year, J.B., yeah, it could be. Um, I think the Indians are still going to come back with their full rotation intact, barring some surprising moves this winter. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions to answer in the bullpen. There's uncertainty around the, the diamond all over the place, especially the outfield. But the bottom line is you've got Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor still anchoring the lineup. Right. You've got that rotation coming back. They're going to return as the division favorites, and I think that is also going to play into – maybe the approach for this winter. They know they're going to come back. You know, Maybe it's going to be a quiet winter and you see more in-season trades like was kind of the approach this year. Um, and sometimes that's when the cost of players diminishes and falls more into Cleveland's range. So a quiet winter doesn't necessarily mean roster moves won't happen during the season when, when the team has a better grasp of what will put us over the top. They tried to do that this year. Um, they acquired Brad Hand, you know, to address the bullpen. They got Josh Donaldson to to beef up that lineup, and it just didn't work. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't work in October. The Astros outplayed them.
But I think when they look ahead to 2019, like I said, they're going to come back as the favorites in the division, and they got to continue to try and capitalize on this window because you're right, in a couple of years, some of these <laughs> prospects around the division aren't going to be prospects anymore. The road's <laughs> going to get tougher. That's right. That's right. All right, JB. I really appreciate your time, man. Wealth of knowledge as always, and I love getting a chance to chat with you. And we're going to be uh, we're going to be catching up all off season. You, me, Anthony Castrovans. Um, we're going to have you covered. And if you want to read Jordan's work covering the Indians, you can go to MLB.com/Indians. You can go to Bastion.MLBlogs. You can check him out on Instagram, on Twitter. JB, you're everywhere, and I really appreciate <laughs> your time. Yeah, no problem, Danny. Anytime. All right, with Jordan Bastion, I'm Jamie Westman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.